This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman, CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. Welcome to my podcast. I cannot believe we are at the beginning of 2024. Uh, We just uh, celebrated our fifth year anniversary on this podcast, and um, uh, I'm just so blessed and honored for the thousands and thousands of people, uh, wonderful dentists uh, that I've met across the country who listen to the podcast on a regular basis, and it is my goal, vision, and legacy to provide you with information that is not only going to help you meet your business and financial goals, but to help keep you safe in your business. And today is about keeping you safe in your business. And I could not have a better guest, friend, wonderful human being. Um, My dear friend, Amy Wood, is my guest today. And we're going to be talking about HIPAA and uh, data breaches and cybersecurity and all that kind of stuff. So I want to share just a quick story I found. You know, everybody thinks, oh, well, I have a HIPAA manual. Uh, and uh, yeah, when's the last time I looked at it? Oh, I don't know. It was sometime. And so here's an article from the HIPAA journal, no names, from uh, late 2022, uh, that a settlement was reached uh, with a dental practice to resolve multiple HIPAA violations. So here's here's one way that you can get nailed on this, right? General dental practice uh, got a complaint alleging the owner uh, had posted responses to several reviews by patients on a major uh, posting site and uh, frequently disclosed protected health information in the responses. Uh, Patients were identified and their full names were disclosed when they had chosen to only use a moniker on the platform uh, allegedly posted by the doctor included detailed information about patient visits, treatment, insurance, uh, when it wasn't posted publicly by the patients. Uh, it, and it goes on and on. At the end of the day, uh, they settled the case for a $23,000 financial penalty. Uh, the doctor agreed to adopt a corrective action plan to address the aspects of the noncompliance uh, it, it was identified, and this was with the HHS Office for Civil Rights, the OCR, uh, and they will be subject to monitoring for two years. So, folks, that is just one of what Amy has described to me as a 
and and this is a big word for me, so if I get it wrong, you can send me emails, a plethora of ways you can get messed up by HIPAA and all this kind of stuff. So we're going to talk about all of that uh, today with uh, Amy, and I'll bring Amy on in a minute. First, again, I want to thank my wonderful, wonderful partners, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Uh, if you are looking for top flight, top of the line, uh, A1 continuing education clinical courses. They have 140 continuing education courses uh, for a very, very reasonable price. Uh, go to www.decisionsindentistry.com. As I've been talking about for the last six months, we are in the process of doing some really cool and exciting stuff with them on the business side of dentistry. So uh, as that starts to come into play and we're continually working on it, uh, we'll certainly let you know. Uh, if you are looking for a dental CPA, your CPA didn't call you at the end of the year to do tax planning. You got a big surprise on October 14th uh, that your taxes were $100,000 and they gave you a day's notice. Um, or people are not talking to you about things like cost segregation studies or um 50% credits or 179D credits uh, on your building. Uh, they're not talking to you about retirement planning, financial planning. Please give me a call. My number is 657-279-3243. That comes right to my computer here in Orange County, California. And uh, my email is awiederman at idebailey.com. So if you are not getting the service from your CPA that you need, please let me know. Uh, and uh, I will be happy to put you in touch with our amazing team. I am a dental division director here at Ide Bailey. Be sure to check out our new Ide Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, well, I got a lot to talk to Amy about. Amy is one of my favorite humans on the planet. I met Amy Wood when I joined the Speaking and Consulting Network uh, in the summer of 2023. My dear friend of 40 years, Deborah Engelhart Nash, who is a nationally known coach and consultant, said, Art, you need to join this group. So I did, and I went to a meeting in Nashville. I'd never been to Nashville. It was so much fun. Continued to learn that I should not be dancing on a dance floor, but I did anyway. And um, the heads, uh, Ryan Vett and Lois Banta, two of also wonderful, wonderful human beings, said, "Hey, um, you're a new member. We're gonna we're gonna kind of connect you with one of our existing members, and she's gonna kind of be your host." And that was Amy Wood. And Amy and I got on the phone. And this is, I mean, you ever connect with somebody? I mean, we talked on the phone for over two hours the first time we met. And then I met her and it was like she had been my friend for 30 years. And then I learned more about what she did. And I said, you got to be on my podcast. So that's kind of how um, I came to know Amy. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She is a best-selling author, speaker, consultant, and coach. She's also a heck of a lot of fun to be around. She's a really, really fun lady. Uh, she has a background in healthcare information technology. She has spent the last decade as a HIPAA educator, risk assessor. Uh, and data breach consultant. 
Now, that's the thing, the one thing we'll have to, you know, have to talk about. She's got all these letters and things in front of her name. She has multiple certifications in HIPAA, cybersecurity, and PCI, including the HCI, SPP, ESPN, HBO, Showtime, whatever it is, healthcare information, security, privacy practitioner with ISC2. I'm, uh, are you like a computer? Is that what you are? Just a big old geek. <laughs> Just a big old geek. Anyway. Uh, it's a prestigious certification that's not only difficult to obtain but requires CE. Um, uh, you know, she's only one of she's one of fourteen hundred with this certification. Uh, she could work for the Department of Defense or any hospital in the country. Yet chose to work with dentists. Um, she's been involved with over one hundred and sixty data breach investigations, and her clients have received zero fines and zero patient lawsuits. That's like zero point zero with Animal House, right? That number is actually incorrect. It's been well over 400. Well, then you need to change your website. I know. You really do. Amy Wood, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. Are we sure this isn't going to be another multi-hour conversation? This is this is probably. I mean, this is, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're stuck with about an hour. If we go a little bit over, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. But this is so important. <laughs> This this is just I mean and and the, the problem with this topic Amy is that you know it's you don't know what you don't know that was the first thing I learned when I was a tax accountant when I was 16 years old working for Larry Shipley who was my mentor and taught me a lot about how to be an accountant he said two things write it down and you don't know what you don't know I mean is that more prevalent than in this topic right you don't know what you don't know well and what you don't know keeps changing that's the other thing. So I look at it as standard of care. And, you know, we all in healthcare, we understand standard of care changes over time. You know, we, yeah. we don't call it CPR anymore. We call it basic life support and, you know, things like that. But how we do implants is different. How, how we, you know, wearing gloves and sterilization, all these things have changed over time, but they took a long time to change. Whereas technology and computers in general, you know, it changes at such a fast pace. It's hard to keep up on it unless you're in this all the time. Yep, I agree. And we're going to get deep into the weeds on this one. So start off, Amy, take us through, take our audience through your professional journey. Um, Like many fellow speakers and consultants in the dental space, I kind of fell into dental. Uh, I married someone that was doing IT for dental offices. And uh, I had a background in healthcare. I had worked in a nursing home and a surgical ICU all through high school and college. And so I had some clinical experience and you know, really understood the basics of HIPAA and uh, most importantly, how I screwed up doing HIPAA and privacy back then. And you know, the, the common pitfalls and what we were doing on the technology side it was very different. You know, we were trying to make things work in antiquated software, but we were also trying to engineer these systems that were not coherent and fluid. And then along came all this stuff with HIPAA and High Tech Act and Omnibus, and it, it made us liable. And so we perked up and said, hey, our clients are kind of a bit of a hot mess. And that was about the time we decided we're going to have to create a standard that they abide by 
or they're not worth the liability to us anymore. And that was a very, very hard conversation to have. So we were one of the very first IT providers that catered to dental practices that decided this is the minimum standard. You play by these rules or you don't get to play with us. Now, my understanding, Amy, is that a lot of IT, because I'm familiar with IT providers that specialize in the dental space. I don't, you're the first one, you and your husband are the first one, or your husband, I guess, is the first one that actually said, we need to connect the IT piece of this work with the HIPAA piece. I don't see that a lot. It wasn't happening a lot. And, you know, I know a lot of the people in that space now, um, just by virtue of having been in the IT space. So I know a lot of the big players that are out there and they're all really good people and they have good intentions. They're not just trying to price gouge you for anybody listening. I just want to throw that out there. They're not. They're really not. No, they're not. this stuff truly costs the prices that they're charging. I know because I used to have to pay those bills. <laughs> it was right. really harsh on me too. Um, but yeah, no one was tying those together. And the law did, but it took a lot longer for uh, dental in general to tie them together. And and I know dental is usually a little bit further behind in most things, but especially with technology, it's way further behind than anything else, any other vertical that I've ever been in. Um, dental is just weird and quirky, quirky and persnickety, and and that's one of the main reasons why we love it so much. Yes, yes. And it also it needs a lot of extra love and and support. So I kind of have you know one of my one of my big principles and core values of me is uh, fairness and justice. And I believe that everyone uh, deserves to have a fair shot at things, including this topic, including HIPAA compliance and cybersecurity. So this is your kickoff for Amy Wood running for Congress, right? (laughs) No, I hate politicians. Um, There you go. Politicians and salespeople hate them. Can't stand them. Yeah, you and I'll have a conversation about going to buy a car someday. Anyway, all right. Now, when we met, you shared a horrifying personal story with me about what happened to you personally in a data breach. And you have been kind enough to agree to share this with our audience. So why don't you tell us, and this will kind of launch us into a conversation. Absolutely. So it's actually how I got into doing what I'm doing now. Um While we were in that whole transition with our IT business, I also decided at that time, you know, we're not busy enough. Let's just throw in a major uh, surgery in there just for fun. And I had a class three bite and I decided to have upper and lower orthognathic surgery as an adult. I had two young babies at home at the time. They're both under two years old at the time. And I also rejected my titanium. So it was a really, really big deal. I ended up having three surgeries to have all the titanium removed. Um, I had a good six to eight months where I really don't remember a lot that was going on because I was on so many pain meds and, um, and just trying to get my face to hold together and, and deal with babies at the same time and a young business. It was it was a lot going on. And, you know, thank goodness for photos and videos and Facebook reminding me what happened back then. Uh, but and yes, I do use Facebook, even though I'm in cybersecurity. I use all the social media. except <laughs> Well, you TikTok. probably know how to. You probably know how to. The rest of us probably I, don't know how to. I, I do. Don't don't do Facebook quizzes. Everyone no. I know that does Facebook quizzes gets hacked. 
so with uh, what happened after that, I thought everything was fine. We were back to normal. I was feeling great. And then I got a letter in the mail saying that uh, the imaging center where I had the panos taken had been involved in a data breach. So the longer version of that story is that imaging center had been acquired by the hospital across the street. And the hospital sent their IT department over to transfer all of those x-rays. And the lady working at the front desk had never interacted with IT of that caliber, which is how I used to operate. So I know what they like, what level they were at. And she decided to try to be helpful because she didn't know these IT guys. And she copied thousands of people's x-rays onto a thumb drive and then quote unquote oh. lost it. Oh, uh, wow. It ended up for sale on the dark web. And oh. the information that was on those x-rays it wasn't the x-rays themselves that were worth anything it was that this imaging center had put the name birth date social security number oh. and the insurance medical record number and plain text oh. on those images which oh, obviously we don't cry. do now yeah i mean obviously we don't do that now but back then that was what they did and now what we have to deal with is the metadata that's on the back end of images that has a lot of that similar information that you don't see when you're emailing an x-ray. So uh, I know because I work with various government agencies, including the FBI, I love how I just name dropped that. Um, like, I, know I, I will that, be very nice to you. <laughs> you know, it kind of freaked my team out when FBI showed up on the caller ID. Everyone thought they did something. I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. It's not for us. They're not calling for us. <laughs> but it is a call for me. So that one's real. Thank it's not God fake. Thank God for that, right? There you go. Um, but yeah, like they, they have told me I've been sold over 60,000 times and I'm really only worth about $385 on the dark web. And I, I mean, it. It's been horrible as a business owner trying to deal with financial identity theft is insanely difficult. Uh, and I've also had medical identity theft. Someone actually tried to impersonate me to get surgery last year. And all of this wow. came from dental x-rays that were improperly handled. I can't imagine what happened legally to that surgery center with, I mean, by all the people who got compromised like it, because you're not the only one. And by the way, I would pay more than $385 for your information if I went to the dark web, if I even knew how to get to the dark web. But I would, <laughs> I just, no, just because we're just friends, don't. I would pay more. No, you I'm, don't need I'm, to go to the dark web. I will, the FBI I will, will be at your door the next day. Like, let's uh, not do that. <laughs> okay, we, we, we won't do that. So, all right. But but this is a this this is how you got into this business, right? Is what you're yeah. telling me? It was because, again, one of my core principles being fairness and justice. I kind of went mama bear mode and yeah. started talking to every single one of our clients and said, "Did you know this was a thing? Did you know that we actually have liability on this now? Like, we have financial risk." by having you do dumb stuff in your practice. So that was part of the reason why we changed our whole methodology and how we approach security for a practice. And about that same time, we also had two of our clients get ransomware. It was the only time we've ever had ransomware with any of our clients. It was two in one week from the same email that came in that they both clicked on. Uh, and they clicked the attachment on it. It was very convincing. And one of them was down for four hours because we had the new standard of care program that we had in place with the new baseline security. And we had one office that lost two days of data. 
And it was right. fortunately, it was a smaller specialty office where they only saw a small number of patients every day. Uh, but still, data loss is completely unacceptable in this day and age. And that was the time where my husband and I looked at each other and we said, this is stupid. This is so dumb and preventable. And I don't ever want to do this again. You don't want to do this again. I don't want to do this again. The client doesn't want to do it again. How about we just make sure new standard of care for everyone across the board. And we became huge advocates for that. Right. But it's still slow to be adopted. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that. Let's start the conversation at the beginning. What is HIPAA and why (laughs) is it so important? HIPAA 101. (laughs) Well, HIPAA is spelled with two A's. So if you need a reminder of how to spell the acronym, there is no PP in the HIPAA pool. And I spelled it wrong on my email to you. So I I need to learn it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. I wasn't going to say anything. (laughs) No, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Listeners, I am perfect. I never make a mistake in any function or part of my life. Just so you know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I won't I won't make you feel guilty. Well, not laughing that. hard. Okay. Stop uh, laughing and tell me what HIPAA is. All right. Okay. So HIPAA is actually Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, none of which applies at this point in time. It was really intended as a precursor for universal health care, which we don't have. Um, but some <laughs> of the right, which some of the basic tenets of the privacy aspects of HIPAA still remain. That has not changed since 1996. Like we're not supposed to snoop in records. We're not supposed to share information if we don't have to. We're not supposed to shout a patient's first and last name from the waiting room. Um, the patient shouldn't be able to see the daily schedule printed in an operatory. You know, things like that that are basic privacy rights. And they are rights. Patients do have an expectation and a right of privacy when they come to see you as a healthcare provider. Not provider. We can't say that word. <laughs> oh. We don't say provider in the dental space. Now, HIPAA says provider, which is why I said it, but I always say professional. Okay. Okay. Well, you're you're the expert. (laughs) But I wanted to make that distinction because in the HIPAA space, they always say provider, but what they really mean is professional. So translate that. Um, That was early HIPAA. Then in 2009, well, about 2003, they started, but 2009 really solidified the High Tech Act. And that started talking about digital data. And that was also about the same time in dentistry that most people were starting to get computers in the ops and doing digital x-ray systems. And since then, it's taken a life of its own. We have all these integrations with your practice management systems. We've got, you know, everything's connecting to the computer network. Everything's Wi-Fi connected. I mean, I was at a trade show. I was at Amos a, a couple months ago and everything on the floor said Wi-Fi connect or connect to your network or computer based or, and it's just, it's so much bigger than it used to be. And so those laws are having to change constantly to keep up with the latest technology. For example, the latest thing is AI. And that has become like the calls I've been getting on that lately. You wouldn't even believe. (laughs) I I believe it. I I believe it. And, And they don't teach you this in accounting school. They don't teach you this in dental school. They don't teach you this in any school. I mean, you, and, and, you know, a lot of our clients. Cool, hard Amy, knocks. That's well, what it well, is. <laughs> exactly. But as I said earlier, and you know, before I brought you on, it's like people say, "Oh, well, I have a HIPAA manual. I'm good, right?" 
Is no. it still in its shrink wrap? Because that's yeah, how it, I find it, most of them. <laughs> exactly. Well, I guess so. If someone is listening to this, I, I heard Amy, and correct me if I'm wrong, that if you want to get started and make sure you're compliant, you need a what's called a risk assessment. Is that right? Is that where we start? That's part of it. So a security. So risk where do assessment. we start? Tell me where we start. Yeah. So it's actually something called a risk analysis that includes a security risk assessment. A risk analysis is going to look at all aspects of your practice. It's going to look at your physical security. Are you easy to break into? It's going to look at your privacy. Do you have the right paperwork in place? Are your team members trained? Uh, does everyone know what they're supposed to do? Um, do you have good technology and security in place? It's going to identify all those risks and vulnerabilities. And then out of that, you get a risk management plan. And that's basically your short-term and long-term to-do list. And if you do it right, your short-term list are quick, easy, and cheap. And those are going to make the biggest impact. Then you're going to continue to work that plan. And as things change, your your plan will change. But so many people are afraid to take that first step of finding out what's wrong first. Like if I if I go to the doctor and get my labs done, I want to know what's wrong. Is my liver not working? My kidneys not working? Yeah. What's going on? Is it just menopause? Because that's what I'm dealing with right now. Uh, so it's always something. <laughs> it's always And you go something. to Nashville and we blow up our liver for three nights, right? Basically is how it works, right? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. That's okay. fine. Nah, We're it's no okay. Big deal. Not a HIPAA violation. Well, they shouldn't give us an open bar. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Should give us we'll, tickets. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll talk to them about that for the next meeting. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kind of looking at what all those risks are and, and trying to get a game plan because you don't, Again, it's another situation of you don't know what you don't know. And so many people are trying to do this themselves. And that's a great place to start, especially if you're cash strapped or you're just starting out. Um, you know, there's a lot of DIY options out there. But at some point, you're going to need an expert to come in and really look at everything. You know, I, I come in and I tell people, I have to think like a criminal. How am I going to break into your office? How am I going to hack your network? How am I going to convince your team members to do something that they shouldn't be doing? Yeah. To me, you know, there are things that business owners can do on their own, but something like this that has got such catastrophic consequences, if you screw it up, I agree. So what's a business associates agreement? <laughs> well, don't it's laugh actually, at me. Don't laugh at no, me. You're not allowed I, I to laugh, laugh because, at me on my okay. podcast. <laughs> I laugh at this situation because a lot of people call it that. It's actually business associate agreement. So it's not associates. You should have been an English teacher, as it sounds like. <laughs> I actually <laughs> I'm just I actually on. wanted to do proofreading for a living. <laughs> you would have been a good proofreader. All right. So business associate agreement. Actually, it does say on my notes business associate. I just said associates. <laughs> My audience knows I take no responsibility for anything I say or do on this podcast, member FDIC. Um, so nice what is disclaimer. a business associate? Exactly. What's a okay. business associate agreement? So business associate agreement, also known as a BAA, uh, because, you know, the government loves their acronyms. Right. That is 
part one of a two-step process for dealing with your vendors. So basically, a business associate is a non-employee who creates, receives, maintains, or transmits protected health information on your behalf. They are people like your IT provider, uh, like your appointment reminder company, data analytics, uh, basically anybody that's touching patient information. Sometimes they're not even hired to touch patient information, but they have access to it. So it's it's really important to distinguish who's supposed to be a real business associate and who's not, and then make plans to correct whatever technical situations you have going on that allow them to be one or the other. Can you give us some examples, Amy, of, of who a dentist should consider a business associate? Um, yeah, so um, I will give you an example of who not to uh, include. So your cleaning crew should not be interacting with patient information, but they could come across it while they're cleaning the office if you didn't lock it up. Um, I was talking to a fellow consultant the other day, and she does uh, data analytics that do not include patient information. But what makes her a business associate is that she uses remote access programs to log into the dental practice to pull those reports for her. And so my response was, yeah, we're not doing that anymore because you don't need to do that in order to do your job. We're going to do this other workaround where the practice pulls the reports and gives you the numbers that you need. You don't need all that patient information. Right. So um, there's always a way to work around it. There's always a way to minimize the risk. You just have to know what you're doing. Absolutely. What are some of the most common HIPAA violations that you see in a dental office that people should be aware of? I know it's only a one-hour podcast, but uh, <laughs> shoot. Um, I see a lot of privacy violations right now. I see um, people just going into offices and sharing information. Um, I see people snooping in records of friends and family members and neighbors. Um, I, I Obviously, I see a lot of professional hackers. And I mean, we don't have time to go into all of that right. today. But there's, right. it's not the weirdos that are living in their mom's basement that are hacking into things. It's nation state hacking. That, oh, that yeah. is actually going after smaller markets like dental because they they assume and with fair assumption that most dental practices are not budgeting enough to properly protect themselves. Um, I'm seeing a lot of terrible IT uh, with insufficient IT security measures. I'm seeing a lot of just general accidents. Um, Right now, the thing I'm dealing with is a lot of third-party vendors and business associates that are not as secure as the salespeople would lead you to believe. So when uh -huh. we were talking about the BAA, that is the legal documentation that says they're going to do things a certain way. But not all of those contracts are laid out properly. And you could actually be financially assuming a lot of their risk just by signing that contract. So you have to do that second part, which is due diligence. And that is my favorite thing in the world to do is asking vendors to give a lot of information. So so you might, so we're dealing with a vendor, vendor X. It doesn't matter. We're certainly not going to mention any names here. Vendor X and you go to them and you say, uh, I need to see how your processes work for protecting patients' information. And if they don't give you the answer you want, do you flat out say to the dentist, 
you really shouldn't work with these people? I mean, how does that work? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, some are better than others. Um, you know, I will say the major players in the uh, practice management space have not provided any of that information. And wow. it's it's sad and unfortunate um, for those that have on-premise. So they have servers on in their office and the practice management system is on a server. That can be protected in other ways. Uh, you don't necessarily have to rely on the practice management vendor to be secure and compliant. They should be. And they should be willing to share that information with you. But, you know, you and and me alone are not going to go up against a behemoth like one of the right. major players. One of the big so companies, that's, right. Yeah, right. that's just not going to happen. So we have to document it and we have to yes. augment that risk in as many other ways as we can. Um, but I'm thinking like if you have appointment reminder companies or data analytics or companies like that, they have a lot of access to a lot of information. And if they had an incident uh, where they got hacked or they had a security incident, that could flow to all of the dental practices that they work with. And well, I've here, seen that time and time again. <laughs> well, here, here, yeah, exactly. Here's an example. So, um, we're, I'm a dental CPA. I'm a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. We have 25 firms that are members. And a lot of us do, we consult with our clients and we say, well, you know what? Let's look at your accounts receivable. And then, you know, okay. So then the doctor emails the dental CPA a whole list of the receivables, which has on there all the patient names. Not a good idea, huh? No. <laughs> Um, that can be done in a better way. If you're going to send something like that, it either needs to be redacted uh, yes. and limited in information, or if you in the CPA role would need it, then it would have to be sent through an encrypted method. A Dropbox or something like that. Yeah. Or just basic okay. encrypted email. Like that's yeah. not hard. That's been yes. required since 2009. Uh -huh. And sadly, I still see a lot of offices that don't even have that. I don't doubt it. What are the penalties? What are the, I mean, if, if, if we get nailed by the, the, the HIPAA powers that be, I mean, this could cost a lot. I mean, I mentioned an incident that they settled on a $23,000 fine, which is not life-changing, but it's a lot of money. Well, I mean, is there potential for hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars of fines? Uh -huh. There is, but I want to be really realistic and very clear to everyone listening the likelihood of you getting a fine is very, very, very low. I've done over 400, no fines, no penalties. Now, granted, I do work directly with Office for Civil Rights on a lot of different things, actually on a cyber initiative. <laughs> My call right before talking to you, Art, was with one of those uh, people. So like, I, I have a little more leeway when I'm working with clients on this, but the reality is it's not the fine you should be scared of. It's the mitigation costs, which include lawyer's fees, which include notification letters, because you can't send an email for this. It has to be an old school letter. Um, it includes public relations. It includes co sometimes computer forensics. Um, and it definitely includes all the cleanup costs. 
And the worst one would be if you had a patient lawsuit. And the latest trend I'm starting to see is a lot of class action lawsuits. There's a lot of opportunistic lawyers that are making things way, way, way worse than they need to be. So, so, so a dental office, Amy, is noted that they are not doing things right. And one of these wonderful lawyers finds out about it. And then they, in some way, shape or form, get a hold of a whole bunch of the patients and they file a class. Is that how it works? Well, I saw one where they, the attorney uh, paid for Facebook ads and then went after and t- like specifically targeted specific people that were uh, patients of this one practice. And uh, a friend of mine is working on this data breach. And she said uh, the Facebook ad showed up and all these patients are involved in a class action lawsuit. And then another lawyer does the same thing. And so there's a second class action lawsuit. And the practice has a certain limit on their cyber insurance. And so they're not going to pay out for multiple incidents of this. So this could absolutely tank a practice. And that's before even getting to the point of the investigation with the government entities and potential fines. So everyone's so focused on the fines. The reality is it's only ever been seven dentists in all of HIPAA that have received fines or penalties. And they've all happened since 2019. Okay, so, so it's not it's not the fines and penalties. It's all yeah. these uh, it's all the ancillary other stuff that can happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. I I had one with a stolen server that ended up costing a couple hundred thousand dollars in mitigation costs. It was it was a lot, and okay. I I really didn't think the practice was going to survive, but but they so did. The team is really important in all of this. I mean, it, it's not the doctor. The doctor is probably not the one that's going to be super duper responsible for something like this. It might be their team member. So talk about team training. How how important is that? And what do we do to train the team? So I actually made a, a social media post on this not too long ago. And it was a picture of giant doors opening. And it said, nothing screams, I'm secure or insecure for that matter, like opening your doors to cyber criminals. Wow. And the reality is it's, almost always an accident. Right. And it's always a person that did it. So you can spend a huge number on your cybersecurity budget and have the best IT and the latest tech and and do all the training. But the reality is, if, if you have all those locks in place, but you still open the door or you click on something... Right. It doesn't matter what you spent on it or how much time you spent. It it's still going to allow someone to get in. I I know our firm, I Bailey, we we have training for our employees and we have been trained until we wanna go jump in an ocean or something like that. But it's good because I now recognize emails and uh, our team recognizes emails that you just don't click on. I mean, if it's not if it's not a uh, a .com or a .org, it's a dot, uh, blah 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 blah. It's probably somebody who's phishing and stuff. So, um, so what? Okay, so you get into an office, and and what are some of the steps that you take to, you know? I mean, I, I know a HIPAA manual is probably in bubble wrap, and you haven't done anything with it. I mean, what you get into somebody who just doesn't know what they're doing. They've never done anything, and they say, "Amy, help." What what do you do? What are some of the things that you actually implement in the practice? 
So I am very high touch and white glove in my approach. Um, I I have a firm belief that if it were easy, anybody could do it. And it's not easy. So that's why I'm going to do it for you. Right. Um, so I do the whole risk analysis. I vet all the vendors. I custom make policies and procedures and contingency plans and consent forms for HIPAA and all, like all of the things that you need and and tell you where all of those things need to be and help implement them into the daily workflow. So if you need new paperwork in your new patient packet, that's where it goes. If you need a new notice of privacy practices and it, it isn't on your website, I'll help coordinate, make that happen. Um, if you have a team member that's just being a little snarky and needs to be retrained because they can't follow directions, I'll help <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I don't enjoy doing bad employee training. I purposely have white slides, 14 point font, lots of bullet points. It's brutal for both of us <laughs> but i won't mess with i wouldn't want to get in a fight with you in a dark alley that's for sure but anyway <laughs> i'm a nice um, person <laughs> you are a nice person you're a lot of fun i told everybody fairness um, and justice i just it, you know it, it depends on what side you're on <laughs> all about justice exactly so you kind of talked about what you do so so take this opportunity of if some i, I want to give you an opportunity to give out your information folks this is bad stuff and and like amy said she can't do everything to protect you from HIPAA and things like this. But what she can do is to give you the tools and the training. So a lot of what you just mentioned is what you do for clients, right? Correct. Okay. So how would people get a hold of you if they if they want to make sure that they're compliant with HIPAA and, and all this kind of stuff? Uh, my website is the best place. It's copperpennyconsulting.com. I know it's very long but uh, it's got a great backstory. It's all uh, named after my youngest daughter who was never supposed to be. She was our little IUD baby that somehow managed to survive it all. (laughs) And uh, well, and that's kind of a big deal. Uh Um, So she, uh, her name is Penny and she has dark copper hair and she was our little lucky Penny from the very moment she was conceived. So um, we, we believe that what we do, it's we're trying to be your lucky penny. Nice. Okay. And how would people get on? So the website, is there a phone number or just the website? There the is way? the phone number, the contact form. Uh, we also have some uh, online training courses that we just put up there. So they're on super special right now. So we do have a HIPAA and cyber combination course that is done in an hour. Uh, and it, it can give you kind of the high level information on how to you know, kind of reframe your narrative on this this topic and kind of give you a taste for what we do. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. And if you have a chance and you want to get a hold of Amy, go to her website and she will um, she will talk to you. She's very smart on this stuff. Uh, last thing on HIPAA, how long do dentists need to keep their compliance documents? Six years. Six years. So that's a long time. Mm-hmm. And, and most don't have anything to keep. Ah, that's not good. Okay. So I keep copies on behalf of my clients. So they always have them, even former mm-hmm. clients. So you have a big bin uh, server that keeps all this stuff, right? Like a big room. I, I have my own IT guy. <laughs> uh, you, have, you have a guy who has, a, oh, oh, that's right. You married your IT guy. I forgot. I there did. I married the it, geek. <laughs> exactly. Well, there you go. Um, okay. So um, you, you've used the term with me kind of like, 
uh, comparing it to the old Fram oil filter commercial, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. What does that mean? <laughs> um, so what that actually means is I have a proactive program and a reactive program. Uh, I do not enjoy doing data breach investigations. They they stress me out too because I never quite know how it's going to turn out. And it's it's sad and it's frustrating and it's expensive. And it's just, it's really hard to get a practice through one of those. And I would much prefer to do things proactively, but, you know, I, I kind of have had to in my mind, just take a step back and say, you know what, if you don't pay me now for this, then you're definitely going to have to pay me later. And I will say I'm actually dealing with an active investigation right now where that was the case. I I had provided a quote last year and they opted to go for a significantly cheaper alternative that didn't include anything close to what I was going to offer. And they found themselves in a situation with a data breach uh, recently. And uh, I have been working my way through that. And they crawled back to you with their tail between their legs, probably, and or probably not. A they probably a little, little bit. Yeah, there you go. So, um, okay, so let's assume that they decide to pay you later instead of pay you now, and there's a breach. What do we do? <laughs> um, we start with what's your favorite prayer? alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> alcohol and prayer, right? And Leave the we... country. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, I feel like I'm a part-time therapist when it comes yeah. to this, because it's like, I know rogue. this will be okay. Just don't go rogue. Don't think you know better. Like I am the expert here. I will get us through this. It's going to suck, but we'll get through this. And I have a perfect track record and I don't intend to ruin that on, on anybody. Um, I have had zero fines, uh, zero patient lawsuits. Nobody's filed for bankruptcy and nobody's closed their practices yet. Good. Okay. So, well, I mean, what's the first step? Do you, you have to send letters to the patients? You have to, I mean, how does yeah. this work? Um, so going through data breach mitigation, first you have to find out what exactly happened and who was all involved. Um, if it's something like ransomware, I, I will give free advice here. It is actually considered a crime scene if you have ransomware. And I will say many IT providers at the behest of the dental practices who want to get back up quickly are really doing a disservice to the practices by uh, deleting useful forensic information. So um, it's a crime scene. You cannot turn your server off. You cannot delete that information. You can't just go restore from a backup. Like it's an active crime scene and the FBI needs to get called in. So that's why you have friends at the FBI. I, I have lots of friends at the FBI. I'm on a first name basis with a lot of them. It's it's it, they're they're not the gun toting, you know, agents that we think of. They're they're the cyber nerds sitting behind computers. Right, right, right. But it's FBI sounds really intimidating. I know, doesn't it? It, it sounds it's impressive. Good. It's, like, it's like you get somebody who messes with you, doesn't pay your bill. You know, you don't pay my bill. I'm going to bring in my friends from the FBI. Okay, I'll pay you tomorrow. Where are you kidding? Give me a credit card, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, one of my daughters was saying that to her, her friend. She had a birthday party this weekend. And, and she was like, well, my mom does stuff with the FBI, so I can't even have TikTok on my phone. And I said, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother conversation. Oh my goodness. We could spend hours on this, Amy. So talk about cyber insurance for a dental office. Should they all have it? 
absolutely. Uh, however, it has however. changed quite a bit. So okay. when I first started talking about cyber insurance, I said, get at least half a million in coverage and it's super easy to get. It's not that big of a deal, but you really, really need it. And now it's you need at least a million in coverage and you have to look at all the limits they have because it might be a million dollars in coverage, but it'll only cover $10,000 for ransomware, which isn't enough. And, um, and then the being able to get it or keep it in renewals has become a lot more difficult because all the things that you're supposed to do for IT, those are the minimum standards. And now they're confusing questions because when you get technical information together, you know, nerds and geeks, they just, they, they make things way more complicated than they have to be. Again, I'm married to one. Like I live this every day. (laughs) It's like, let's over-engineer it the hardest way possible. (laughs) And and that's what cyber insurance has become. So I would say if you're going to get cyber insurance for an average practice, at least a a minimum of a million dollars in coverage, uh, and make sure that you have a decent, ransomware coverage in there or cyber crime is an extortion or other terms that they use and make sure you actually meet the qualifications on that application because if you lie on it they will sue the ever-living daylights out of you oh i'll bet so one of the things and my audience knows that i do dental practice brokerage um is that um you know after the pan before the pandemic a dental part of the due diligence of purchasing a dental practice was a consultant would go physically into the office. Okay. But, and that consultant would be able to go on to the computer software and look at everything. And uh, now, now that we've had a pandemic, it's a lot more common for consultants to modem in or, or uh, go, go into the software from their homes because they don't go to the, the dental office. I mean, that is an issue for the seller. You're smiling. I can see you on the computer. <laughs> so you, you, so that that is something that every time if someone is selling a dental practice and they allow someone to come into their practice, don't they need to get a business associate agreement signed, right? Absolutely. I actually had this happen with my dentist. Um, he... Very noble reason he decided to close his practice. Uh, he decided to go work with special needs kids at the hospital so they didn't all have to be sedated. And he's fantastic at it. But I lost my dentist at the time. But when he was in the middle of that, there was a very opportunistic uh dentist that was going around with a broker and they were going in, they would sit down at the computer, start to pull reports, distract the doctor or the um, office manager that was sitting there observing them. And they would say, you know, can you go get me whatever reports, sterilization reports. And while they were gone away from the computer, they would plug in a thumb drive and make a copy of the database (sighs) and steal the patient information and then say, no, thanks. I'm not going to buy the practice. But then they have all the patient. I mean, they could lose their dental licenses for that. I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that that's probably, (laughs) yeah, well, one would hope. I mean, that's, that's not the norm, but But again, for those of you that are buying or selling a dental practice, you need to know about this. And we, yeah, we, we do that. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Amy, is there anything I missed? That's a major topic. We talked about a bunch of stuff here. We're getting to the end of our time to talk today. 
what do, what do you uh, anything else on your mind you want to share with the audience about this whole topic? Uh, I think it's very important for people to have a healthy respect for this this scary topic, but I really don't want you I don't want anybody to really feel fear, uncertainty or doubt on this. And yes, it is scary, but it's all doable. Um, The only recommendation I would have is don't become so paralyzed that you do nothing. Start small. It's, I mean, I wouldn't know anything about this. It's apparently like weight loss and exercise. Um, I don't do that, but, um, but you start small and you, you just kind of snowball it over time. And then eventually you're going to wake up one day and realize how far you've come instead of how far you have left to go. Right. And that's a very powerful feeling. And I I want that for every practice. I I mean, at the end of the day, if you follow the rules and you make sure that you don't create any HIPAA violations or set yourself up for them, uh, it's like anything else. You get in an automobile and you have a driver's license and you don't drive under, you know, alcohol or drugs and you're a good driver and you've been trained, you know. Stuff could happen, right? You can get somebody else could be a bad player on the road and you get an accident. There's not much you can do about it. It's kind of the same with this, isn't it, Amy? You 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 put all of the precautions in place. You follow all the rules. You do the training. You get your employees to understand that you can't say to another patient, oh, by the way, Susie Smith had this same procedure done and, and, and here's her phone number and she can talk to her. You can't really do that without the permission of the vet. So what I'm saying is if you if you put the precautions in place and you do the training, I mean, there's risks of getting up in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but 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 most dental offices are not the subject of these issues, and they do protect them. I mean, maybe not all of them as many as you would like to see, but uh, it's it, like you say, it's not something that you need to go to go to sleep every night. Oh my God, I'm going to have a day to breach tomorrow. Oh my God, I'm going to have a HIPAA violation tomorrow. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. No, it's not that bad, right? No, I mean, to give you a visual, it's like if you're bowling and you have the bumper pads in the gutter. I love but bumper pads. I, I do too. I, I like guardrails. Um, so if you if you have the bumper pads, you've got some safeguards there in place so that even if you do something stupid, it's going to stop you from immediately rolling a gutter ball. Now, at the very end of, of the lane... You could still have a ball go rogue and not hit any of the pins at all, yes. but that's considered an accident and not negligence. And that's really what we're we're shooting for at this point is because an accident is a minor inconvenience, whereas most of the stuff that I'm dealing with right now, they're major catastrophes and they're painful and expensive and they don't have to be. I mean, you don't have to have a huge budget for this. You have to have an actual budget, which is new for a lot of dentists, I know. Yes. <laughs> Risk management uh, is really not built into most dental practices' nope. budgets. <laughs> nope, nope. Well, I was, I was. Uh, my audience may or may not know this, but uh, I was the state runner-up uh, under 18 bowling champion back in the 90s. No, back in the, no, back in the 70s. or Yeah, back in the 70s when I was in my teens. 
and uh, I hurt my hand in the finals and didn't win the championship. But after that, it was funny. All the people who didn't want me to be on their bowling league teams were calling me, Art, can you be on our team? Because I averaged 200 over 10 games. And I told them all, no, thank you, because you're mean. But uh, anyway, <laughs> you brought up bowling. I might as well do that. So it was a great metaphor. I chose it's well. <laughs> a great, a great way to take the podcast out. Amy Wood, you are a dear friend. I love talking to you. It's fun. And you have important information for our audience. One more time. What's your website? Copperpennyconsulting.com. Okay. Go on her website. Take a look at that. And um, please stay with me until I take the podcast out. And ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for the honor and privilege of your time. Uh, we're very, very excited about what we're doing in 2024 as far as podcasts and interviews. And uh, it's my fifth anniversary of having this podcast. I can't believe it. It's just time flies when you're having fun. And uh, we're approaching 200 episodes and uh, I'll have to do something special for my 200th uh, episode and stuff like that. But um Please make sure you go on to our uh, uh, the website of our wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, 140 continuing education courses at a very reasonable price. Um, please go on to their website, see what they've got to offer. We're going to be building out a, a business of dentistry uh, a platform for them. We're working on that. Uh, that'll be a big uh, thing in 2024. Uh, if you are looking for a dental CPA, that is what we do at Ide Bailey. 657-279-3243 is my phone number. We're in the Western United States. Uh, well, if we're west of the Mississippi, we've probably got an office somewhere near you. Uh, I'm in Southern California. I'm also a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 25 CPA firms that represent about 11,000 dentists, some of my dear friends. In fact, uh, Miss Amy Wood will be one of our presenters at our meeting in Las Vegas in uh, May. So that will be fun to hear her. I've, I've uh, actually never been to a meeting to hear her speak. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so uh, that's www.adcpa.org. But again, if you guys are not getting what you need on the CPA side, um, uh, please let me know and we'll be happy to help you. We help, you know, we have... Uh, uh, we're close to a thousand dentists that we work with in our practice, and we have some really smart people at this firm, much smarter than I am. Amy, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and your smiling face. I love to get to see people's smiling faces on the on the podcast, on the on the teams, how we record this. And um, uh, please keep uh, keep my dentists out of trouble, please, please, please. I'm working on it. They I, need to I know you halfway. are. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you for that. And ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please tell all your friends to subscribe. And with that said, uh, that will be it for this episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast with Art Wiederman. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.